With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. My name is Jamie Jarecki. My pronouns are she and her. I am a senior graphic designer at Selden LLC, headquartered in Omaha. I specialize in brand creation and a whole host of other different uh, creative and marketing pursuits in my personal life and at work. I am in my second term with AMA Omaha. This term I'm serving as the VP of DEI. Um, I also serve as a leader on my company's DEI committee, and for the, <laughs> for longer than I can recall, I have been involved in some sort of um, civic and community involvement um, in my spare time uh, with a particular passion for underserved and marginalized persons. Um, today, I'm going to be joined by Ruth Natharocha. She is... Uh, kind of an intimidating, honestly, resume sort of person um, <laughs> that I was recently introduced to, and and uh, at at quite a few years my junior, I'm I'm in awe of what she has accomplished to her credit to date. Um, she joins us currently uh, from. Levin Wealth, where she is employed as the director of operations and CEO, or excuse me, COO uh, for both Levin Wealth and Bricktown Management. Um, Levin Wealth, just so you know, is a real estate investment firm based in Omaha, Nebraska. They specialize in purchasing underperforming but sound real estate around the United States and improving the assets through marketing and through environment friendly renovations. They also provide investors the opportunity to diversify their portfolios, create generational wealth, and contribute to community improvements via real estate syndications. So, Ruth, hello and welcome. Thank you for joining. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for the kind introduction, Jamie. That was very <laughs> nice of you. <laughs> uh, so I was born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, graduated from the University of Nebraska with a bachelor's in criminology and English literature. Um, I started in the real estate industry about 10 years ago and have kind of really 
uh, grown to love the industry ever since. Um, regarding my marketing background, um, I did hold a marketing director position a few years ago, um, and I also was the uh, marketing and communications chair for the Apartment Association of Nebraska for three years. So um, at Leavenworth, I currently oversee several teams around the United States. Um, definitely help with marketing here and there, um, but I am I'm very excited to talk about this important topic with you today. Excellent. Kind of circling back to my being in awe, uh, just to your credit, I wanted to mention um, that Ruth recently moderated the Global Leadership Africa Summit. Uh, she was a featured speaker at the Commercial Roofing Academy. She's been featured on the Fox Business Network, and in 2022, she was named one of NAA's 20 in their 20s class, which is a huge honor. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, thank you again. I feel like you're hearing so kind. <laughs> um, but yes, I was a member of the um, NA20 in their 20s class. Um, so recognized by the National Apartment Association um, at their apartmentalized conference. Um, it was a great experience. Uh, I was able to meet with so many people um, around the United States in this industry um, that are also in the rental housing industry. Um, also have the great opportunity, of course, to moderate at the Global Leadership Africa Summit, um, which is a summit that encourages um, minorities to pursue different um, jobs and careers, um, whether that be entrepreneurship, um, be in executive positions, um, learn how to raise funds for their companies and so on. So it's been a, it's been a great couple of years so far. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, audience, um, I uh, I wanted to kind of introduce and, and preface our topic today a little bit. Um, we're going to be focusing on the intersectionality of marketing, company culture, and DEI. Um, so I thought we would just start out with some basic descriptions of, of some of the terminology that might come up um, during the conversation, just so... Um, we're all kind of on the same page. So when you think about marketing, traditional content marketing, primarily focused on speaking to customers about service, expertise, and products. Um, the role of the current day marketer, however, is gravitating more toward a focus on culture marketing um, alongside of the more conventional content marketing. Uh, company culture, just to kind of summarize that. It's the totality of behaviors, feelings, and values, and how your customers and employees are experiencing your company. Um, culture marketing, then, is a type of content marketing that is aimed at showcasing your company culture to both internal and external audiences. And internal marketing simply defined as how you're communicating information to your employees, such as product updates, personnel changes, your mission, values, and more. And so it's it's kind of a just a rethinking and restructuring of traditional content marketing to include an expanded definition um, that helps your employees 
understand your company culture, helps your customers understand your company culture so that they are um, aware of what to expect from you. And it helps in the long run with achieving broader company-wide goals um, because it encourages a much higher level of employee engagement. Um, so kind of going to the DEI piece, uh, this kind of goes hand in hand um, with examining your company culture or even attempting to reshape your company culture. DEI is not a new sort of phenomenon, but it's gotten a lot more attention in recent years. And um, that being said, it's it's not um, necessarily something that everybody has started working with or um, is, is broadly known. It's gaining a lot more traction, but just simply speaking, diversity is the recognition, so to speak, of differences between people. That could be anything from race and ethnicity to their sexual identity and orientation. It could be things like neurodiversity, motor ability diversity, um, any kind of perspectives that they have from their lived experience, socioeconomic differences, and just lived experiences in general. Equity is the E and DEI, um, and that is basically talking about providing individualized support since we do have these different backgrounds to make sure that we're uh, attempting to level the playing field in terms of where we're starting and hope to go in the goal of achieving success from the same, same starting point, if that makes sense. Since we're not starting from the same starting point, we want to make sure we provide people with the tools so that they can start at the same place, relatively speaking, as their peers. Um, and then inclusion involves authentic and empowered participation, a sense of belonging, validation, and respect for differing perspectives, and full access to opportunities. Um, so, Ruth, there's, you know, you're on the finance side of things for a big portion of what you're doing in your current role. Tell me a little bit about the business case for embarking on a, a more focused um, and intentional deep dive into some of these topics for a company and for a marketing team in specific. Yeah, so and I'm glad you asked that question because there's different there's different sides of DEI, right? There's the outward marketing part of it, and then we've also spoken about the internal part of it. So um I kind of want to use an example. Well, I guess I use a couple of examples. Um, I think it's important to put marketing dollars um towards the ENI. Uh you read a stat earlier. Um, I think this is a stat that's it's common. And if you're just using, um, you know, a lens of inclusivity, people consume content that's relatable to them, which means it's important for companies to infuse dollars into their marketing um, to be able to reach wider audiences. Um, you know, it doesn't just come down to skin color, it comes down to ability, it comes down to familial status, sexual orientation as well too. Um, so I think it's very important that companies are, you spoke about intentionality, 
it's important that companies are intentionally putting their marketing dollars towards wanting to reach those broader audiences. And sure, part of that comes from a, a return aspect, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think that is almost inherently said. Um, if you're intentionally you know, putting marketing content out there that reaches broader audiences, they're naturally going to gravitate more towards you. Um, and I, I call it almost killing two birds with one stone um, because the goal should be at all companies to be as inclusive as possible. Um, you know, we are not a monotonous community, right? We are a very mixed and diverse community anywhere that you go. Um, so I think the returns are absolutely there. Um, again, those are inherent though. I think it's important that I'm going to keep using the word intentional, um, you know, during our conversation here, because if you're intentional about your efforts and reaching broader audiences, they will gravitate. Excuse me, they will gravitate more towards you. Well said. Thank you. Um, so, not all organizations outwardly appear to be moving in this direction. What factors do you feel like might be at play for companies who are not quite ready to make that shift, or who are not making a noticeable shift? Sure. So honestly, I think it comes, it may come down to a lack of importance at some companies. Um, you know, like I said, I just spoke about inclusion is in marketing is not just for the customer. Um, it can play a role in recruiting efforts and retention efforts as well, too. Um, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to continue using the word intentional. If you notice most offices around you, um, Diversity is increasing. And again, this is not just down to skin color. This is down to familial status, um, you know, different backgrounds as well, too. Um, So I think there may be a lens that's not quite on yet um, of recognizing, I don't want to call it a trend, um, but recognizing Mm -hmm. how important it is to be inclusive. Um, And if you are not inclusive, I think, you know, nowadays it can have more of a negative effect. Um, on your retention efforts, on your outward marketing, on the return on all of those. Um, So I think it's just something that we need to have more of a conversation about and not be afraid to have that conversation. Um, And I think companies need to be a little bit more introspective when it comes to DE&I. So you mentioned something very interesting with that, not being afraid to have those conversations. Um, I'm definitely going to be dating myself here <laughs> to say this, but, you know, I, I grew up during an era of political correctness um, and mm-hmm. everything was politically correct. And I think it did just sort of paralyze certain groups in terms of talking openly <laughs> about right. some of these things. And I, you know, it's, it's a very different sort of shift, I think, to be going from being afraid to talk about certain things because they were considered taboo once upon a time and maybe not so much now. How do you think you bridge that gap? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, There's always that phrase of wanting to be politically correct in the workplace. Um, And I think when you're using the phrase politically correct, that comes from an agenda standpoint. Um, So that makes me feel that 
you may have an agenda behind what you're saying or that you are, whether it's holding something back, but using that phrase, I don't think is inherently, um, has inherent positive intent. Um, If we look at it from a different lens of wanting to be inclusive, um, I think that's, you know, that's a different conversation, right? Of wanting to level the playing field and have equal opportunity. Um, so I think if you view it from that way, I think that also eases, uh, the nervousness of wanting to have the conversation. Um, and I see it as a learning opportunity, right? Um, it's all about your intent. If you have positive intent behind the conversation, um, and understand like, Hey, we're just here to openly talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Does anybody have any ideas, any thoughts on that? Um, and I think some people who may be a minority in the population in their office may be afraid to bring that up. Um, so I think we heavily rely on those who are, you know, either in director positions or higher positions, I think that they need to take the initiative um, to bring those conversations up and to, again, have a welcoming and learning environment to have that conversation. Thank you. So with leadership, what do you envision that that conversation looks like? Is it is it more internal message that's broad and meant to kind of be a catch-all for everything or is it mm-hmm. one-on-one conversations how does that how does that look you know a great because I can I can understand uh, me being a a minority myself I can understand that it may be a little bit intimidating to have that conversation um so I think anytime I want to you know bring up something within my company or I've seen this um, at companies in the past is to start a survey start an anonymous survey. Um, you know, it can be a brief three to five questions. Um, you know, do you have any ideas for DE and I within the company? Where do you think the company is lacking? Where do you see opportunity for that? I think one that protects the identity of someone who may be a little bit nervous to bring it up, um, but it still gets the point across, right? We're still able to collect data from our team, um, you know, and hear their thoughts on it. And then I think from there, we can start to have some conversations, whether um, it be one-on-one, whether it be with the team, but I think that, uh, you know, especially with D&I and honing on that inclusive part, it's really important to have those conversations as a whole. Um, and again, the environment that you're having these conversations in is critically important. It is very important to make sure that you're coming from a place of positive intent, a positive place of learning. Um, That way people are not afraid to speak up, whether it be um, giving constructive criticism or areas they see the company can improve. If people are willing to have those conversations, they're investing emotionally into your company, right? They're like, I am at a company who values my opinion, who values what I have to say, um, and that will take action on some of the suggestions that I have. And again, that kind of rolls back to that retention piece, which again, turns into recruiting, Um, but it's it's really all about environment. So like I said, I would start with maybe a survey that way the data is collected, identities are, um, you know, covered and protected if, you know, maybe somebody is not comfortable to have that conversation, but at least their voice can still be heard. Excellent. So kind of going back to the leadership needs in those conversations, um, sort of like a train the leader 
sort of aspect to this. What what does that look like? If you're a brand new company or the the initiatives are brand new to your company, you've obviously had leaders that are with the company mm-hmm. possibly longer than the initiatives are. What, sure. what sort of training do you think is appropriate and what accountability measures would you recommend putting in place? So I think the first thing comes with having the conversation um, because I think there may be people within those organizations who are curious about um, DE and I um, objectives within their own company. Outside of that, there are so many different resources um, to learn more about DE and I. Um, and there's also a lot of local organizations um, that have a DE and I chapter or somebody who's the director of DE and I. Um, so I think reaching out to resources would be great. Um, like AMA is a fantastic, um, a fantastic resource. And I'm sure you'd be more than willing to have that conversation with somebody who's, you know, willing to or ready, excuse me to start having those conversations about DE&I. Um, LinkedIn also has some fantastic learning resources about DE&I. Um, many uh, nonprofit organizations, like for example, the Greater Omaha Chamber, uh, they have somebody that is the lead of DE&I. So I think you can reach out to your resources for people who may be in similar positions to you, whether that be, it be at you know sister companies or even a competitor as well. People are willing to teach you. They're willing to have that conversation with you. And I think the best resource is people who are currently going through that, whether it's been, you know, in their organization or in their company, they're able to share experiences. Maybe they've learned some lessons as well, too. Um, So they're able to, you know, provide that information to somebody who this may be a new initiative to them. And And that is okay. You know, I think it's it's one thing to where if you're not being intentional about wanting to learn about it, but if you are somebody or in an organization where you've heard your team out or you realize we're just in a different era right now um, of business and you're like, it's time for me to start talking about diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives within my own company. There's so many resources, whether that be, like I said, LinkedIn, that's plenty of resources, or you can also reach out to your community DEI leaders as well. Agreed. Thank you. And to the point of, you know, um, willingness to field those sorts of topics, I'm 100% in on that. Um, If there's any assistance that I can provide to anybody, um, I might not have all of the answers, but I can probably help you get there, get you started. Um, Sure. And, you know, I mean, I, I think there's always something to learn. I think that new things occur to you as, as time goes on and just keeping an open mind to, to what the possibilities are in learning and figuring that you don't have it all figured out is, is really key to that. So mostly here kind of getting back to some questions that I had that (laughs) I I've taken this conversation wildly off topic from where where it started (laughs) it's really not off topic it's just the natural progression I think of things but there was a little more structure and intentionality to that structure beforehand (laughs) but um as far as so there's this term box checking it's sort of Mm -hmm. the dreaded term of trying to make 
any changes to your company culture or um, start to really invest in being more intentional about your DEI efforts. There mm-hmm. are countless stories out there of companies that have gotten in trouble basically because their messaging in support of this was undermined by their behavior. Sure. Um, and so uh, do you have any recommendations, best practices for if you're going to start really incorporating this into your marketing, how do you avoid that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I, there's a couple of different things I could say about that. Um, one, I think box checking is almost worse than not bringing the conversation up at all. Um, and I say that because it is, is just putting a face on, right. Um, mm-hmm. just saying, oh, well, I've done this this one time and I'm good now. I, I checked the box off. Um, mm-hmm. and I, that to me, that's a little bit insulting, um, mm-hmm. because it, it's not intentional. And I think a way to avoid that is to make sure that it's a constant conversation. Um, this shouldn't just be a one-time survey where you have, um, you know, you get feedback from your team members um, and you put out one ad um, or, you know, one piece of marketing um, that has a, um, an underrepresented group in it. Mm-hmm. And then you never do it again. You know, so that people can tell, right? And, um, you know, again, to me, if you're just doing it just to do it, I'd rather you just not do it at all because the intent is not, it's not positive, right? It's just not positive intent. You're just saying, it's almost like you're doing it to prevent backlash, which is so unfair. Um, and so I think making sure that it's a constantly relevant topic um, and making sure that you're actively working to, you know, um, represent underrepresented groups in your marketing, that should become inherent at a point, right? That's the direction mm-hmm. that the world is moving in. Um, and, and that comes with also unlearning some behaviors. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more during our discussion, but uh, making sure that you're active, whether you decide to form a committee, right? You can have, um, whether it be weekly or monthly committee meetings, talking about some initiatives you've executed. How did those go? How can we improve on those? Um, and really start formulating that intentionally, um, you know, into any DE and I initiatives that you um, decide to implement within your company. Um, but I mean, box checking is just, it's not, and it's it's kind of hard for me to find the words for this, but it's extremely disappointing, mm-hmm. especially to those within your organization who are excited about talking about DE&I initiatives and really excited to feel maybe more welcomed, you know, within their company. And those that are on the recruiting side, I mean, the, the best recruiting is the current employees that you have. So mm-hmm. if your current employees and your current team members are feeling that they're included and DNI is important and that they feel that they are being represented and heard. Um, you know, if a friend of theirs or a colleague of theirs is um, looking to, you know, maybe switch careers or maybe pivot, um, again, that's going to benefit the company that you're at. So I think truly, um, you know, not just within marketing, but I think DEI is coming, uh, excuse me, it's becoming more of 
a must have um, for people um, as they're job searching um, or as they're looking to even work with companies. So it's important to make sure that you're keeping up with the times for lack of better terms, um, because at this point, in the direction that the world is going, you're going to get left behind if you're just box checking. Perfect. Perfectly stated. I, again, <laughs> I, I don't feel like there's going to be much that we disagree on during this conversation. <laughs> um, you know, so if anybody was tuning in, hoping to have some spicy discourse, I, I just don't think that's going to yeah. be <laughs> part of this. Um, you Agreed. know, I think, <laughs> I think for me, a big part of this really does come down to authenticity and repetition. Yeah. You know, the, yep. the whole idea of box checking one and done. I, I agree. It's offensive and, and it doesn't stick, you know, it does not. from a marketing 100%. standpoint, it's just terrible marketing because, yeah, you know, repetition is a big thing in, in making sure that your messaging is recognizable and it's getting through. Um, absolutely. It, and so just you know, from that standpoint alone, it's, it's just, you know, it's kind of silly. And then if you apply that internally, it's the same thing, you know, everybody has different right. learning styles and, um, you know, in this, in this age of information where there's a lot thrown at you from just about every direction, um, yeah. you know, how do we make sure that we, um, get the the messaging about you know culture relevant topics and DEI right. initiatives through. Well, we can't just talk about it once. I think is the clear answer. We have to make it right. you know probably a part of every conversation that we have you know and to Absolutely. authentically mean it because yeah it, it's just a it's the right thing to do. It it brings. Um, more people to the table. It gives different perspectives, perspectives that were sort of historically denied from even being at the table. Um, and right. so I, I think that, yeah, I think there's a clear business case for avoiding the one and dones. Um, right. I did want to kind of bring up some statistics that I was looking at. Of course, I'm always looking at this stuff. It's kind of top of mind for me, uh, just because it's it's so much of a, a part of what I do for AMA and for sure. um, even my company's internal committee. So sure. I guess let me know if any of these surprise you or you know, if this all seems to strike a strike a note of, yep, that seems about right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 70%, 70, that's a big number of consumers believe that it's important for brands to take a public stand on things like social issues. So things that matter to them, things that affect mm -hmm. them. And, mm -hmm. and 64% of those same folks actively, you know, take action to engage with brands that mm -hmm. advertise in a way that spoke to them about diversity or inclusiveness. 69% um, mm -hmm. of Black consumers are more likely to purchase from brands that positively depict their race and ethnicity. 
71 percent mm-hmm. of the lgbtqia plus community um is more likely to interact with advertising as well that is authentically representing their orientation these are these are pretty big numbers you know it's it's pretty hard to deny that there's something to it if you're looking at it from a purely statistical standpoint do you think those numbers are right do you think that's about right on do you think that this is no i think it's um, yeah i think it's accurate to be frank with you um and you know with these statistics i'm not surprised because people consume content that's relatable to them because it doesn't just become, it's not just marketing at that point. It's a, it's emotional because, you know, so it goes through someone's head, especially with an underrepresented groups. Wow. They are intentionally thinking of me, mm-hmm. whether that be race, my ab- ability to do something, um, the familial status, sexual orient- orientation. This brand is intentionally thinking of me to the point where they were willing to spend money to make sure that somebody like me feels represented. Mm -hmm. And I think that is absolutely pivotal. And I spoke about this earlier during our discussion, but if, if brands and companies don't keep up and don't want to level the playing field and don't want to represent all sorts of communities, they are going to get left behind. I mean, we've even seen this with either celebrities or sports teams or what have you. And some have either made comments or there has been a lack of um, diversity and inclusion to the point where it's almost ruined their brand. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're, you know, we're starting and these numbers support it. We're starting to see a shift to where, like I said, you've got to represent or you're going to get left behind. And that's just, you know, that's just the culture that we're shifting towards now. Um, And once again, it's thinking about, especially if you are part of a community that is the majority, it's Mm -hmm. thinking about, well, lots of things are relatable to me, but what if I put myself in an underrepresented community's shoes? You know, why would I be inclined to spend dollars or consume content that doesn't represent me as a person? Right. You know, that that's almost assumed, right? And um, especially with underrepresented groups, like I said, if, if I feel that a company or a product is representing me, whether the fact that I am African-American or I am a woman, I am more inclined to you know, consume that marketing. And I'm more inclined to, you know, either partner with or purchase from that company. So these numbers do not surprise me um, whatsoever. And I think part of that is because for so long, um, there has been a suppression um, of underrepresented groups. Um, So a, a combination with the suppression and the lack of intentionality with even acknowledging underrepresented groups, um, that now more than ever, it's critically important to think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, because now you're you're opening up a, just a whole new opportunity, and that doesn't just come with learning, um, you know, how to represent these groups, but it's also unlearning some behaviors that we're used to, uh, you know, exhibiting in the past. Let's, let's 
for a moment. So unlearning, I, again, couldn't agree more. There's, there's a mm-hmm. lot of room um, for improvement. Um, and unlearning is um, kind of at the top of that list. Tell sure. us a little bit more about what some of those unlearns or unlearnable behaviors might be. I think a big one that comes to my mind is assuming. Um, I think assuming that, you know, I think there's a thought, especially with marketing of like, okay, well, um, there's something that is called disparate impact, right? So just because I may think that I am not affecting this certain group, especially unrepresented group, doesn't mean that my actions are not. Right. So it's that introspectiveness of, uh, well, I didn't say anything bad about this underrepresented group, so I'm not doing anything wrong. Okay. So we, we don't just stop there. Right. That is, um, that is being content to be frank. Um, and there's intentional action, right? So there's one thing of not saying anything negative about X, Y, and Z group, but what am I doing to elevate these groups? What am I doing to make sure that these groups feel that they are represented? And my company or my brand recognizes that and, you know, is wanting to make sure that these, these groups are, seriously, make sure that these groups feel welcome and feel that my company is thinking about them. So I think that's honestly the number one, the number one item to learn is stop the assumptions and just because there's lack of negative action, does it mean that that's what we should settle for? Agreed. You know, there there's also the statistic going back to the, the ones we were talking about earlier. The 70% mm-hmm. of consumers believe it's important for brands to take a public stand. I, I think it ties in hand in hand with that. And for me, that's a big one. Sure. Um Mm-hmm. You know, I I notice everybody who's silent on the issue. It's it's almost yep. louder than those who are speaking to the issue for me personally at sure. this point. Um, mm-hmm. And I can only, <laughs> you know, and assuming is bad, but I, I think it speaks volumes sometimes. And the the message that could be sent by silence is that I don't support this. I don't have anything positive to right. say about this. And because I am unwilling to, to put, you know, to put my values out there, I might not have right. the best values, you know? And that's, I right. think that's kind of the message that I've, I've noticed coming through from, from folks who are just stone silent on things. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's important for, um, marketers, companies, individuals, even to mm-hmm. be aware of, of how that silence is interpreted. It's not sure. necessarily always going to be interpreted as I can't offend anybody. If I don't say mm-hmm. anything, it's mm-hmm. you're awfully silent. And I can only assume that you might not have the best of intentions or the best values or anything of mm-hmm. value that I want to align myself with. Right. Right. So I, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it, or at least thinking about it. Um, you know, on the, on the positive side, additional 
um, business case sort of statistics to look at. Um, mm -hmm. Companies who have strong cultures um, and have, you know, really invested heavily in their culture and bringing about DEI um, mm -hmm. with more intentionality, they're seeing a four times increase in revenue growth. That I believe probably, that. Yeah. I, I think kind of speaking to what you were saying earlier about, you know, if you were leaving people out of the conversation before and now you're suddenly representing and including them, well, automatically mm -hmm. you're expanding your business possibilities. And then, you know, if if your company has been named a best place to work, they're seeing mm -hmm. um, a stock jump. It might be small, but it translates to, you know, to big return. It's a 0.75% stock jump just for, mm -hmm. for that one action being named a best place to work. Um, right. 82% of business leaders uh, believe that culture is a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. um, and 77% of, of adults, excuse me, would consider a company's culture before applying there. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that that sort of shift may have been misapplied or mislabeled as being the result of Gen Z. Um, mm -hmm. That that it's Gen Z and Gen Z alone that looks at company values before making a decision to align with them, whether that be for employment um, mm -hmm. or some sort of business venture. Do you, do you think mm -hmm. that that's true? Like I, I personally don't, but I would like to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, I would say, I don't think it's fair to say that they're like the only reason um, I would say that Gen Z has definitely been more vocal. And I think mm -hmm. that uh, Gen Z has done a great job of not being silent, mm -hmm. um, which you've spoken about earlier, right? Um, Gen Z is much more, much more vocal about, you know, speaking out against, um, you know, what is not right, but also making sure that they're just as vocal about allyship as well um, and, and supporting those underrepresented communities. Um, but I also think it's just a, a t it's a change of the times. Um, you know, you're seeing more, um, you know, people of color, um, more people of the LGBTQIA plus community um, and more women um, that are, you know, in positions that are higher than a director, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many different organizations, like I'm going to use Chief for an example, um, mm -hmm. you know, that really elevates women that are in higher positions. Um, Global Leadership Africa, for example, um, you know, really pushes, um, you know, minorities and encourages them to pursue those higher positions. Um, so, in, you know, in this most recent election, um, you know, there are people that are in the Senate that are part of the LGBTQIA plus community for the first time in history. Um, so this is just where the times are shifting towards. Um, and as more people are, you know, vocal about celebrating those wins as well, too, um, you know, it gives people that are part of those underrepresented communities, uh, excuse me, underrepresented communities, um, some encouragement um, and hope. And whether that be 
a Gen Z or, or a millennial. I don't think it matters. I think it's, you know, whether uh, you know, you're 20 years old or you're 40 or you're 50 years old or even 70 years old. Um, I think that there is um, almost an epiphany happening of times are changing and I need to be willing to be introspective and I need to be willing to have these conversations. And again, it all truly comes down to intent. If your intent is positive, people will have those open conversations with you um, about DEI, no matter where you're at in your career. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, well, I think we're running short on time. So um, that was quick. <laughs> I know it, it just flew by. I feel like we didn't I, even cover like half what we wanted to. <laughs> I, I know. I know. So maybe we might have to have like a part two follow-up segment down the road. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun if you're game, I'm game. Yes. Um, <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, I wanted to thank you very much for joining me. Um, and I also kind of wanted to just, um, talk about takeaways um sure. and you know what and in fact i i'm going to turn it over to you um to kind of leave us with some parting wisdom absolutely so i think there yeah i think there's a couple of items that i would like anybody who listens to this um podcast to take away and jamie appreciate you inviting me today as well too i think we've had great and open conversation which is very important um so i think that's going to be my first takeaway actually is you know be willing to have these conversations um you know within your team whether it's your marketing team the finance department anybody um just have that open door policy and ensure that your team members feel comfortable coming to you with any sort of conversation, right? Um, but particularly DE&I and ensuring that you have a safe space um, where we can have these conversations and, you know, be be open to constructive criticism. That's okay. There's room to improve, right? Um, I'd say another, another takeaway is be introspective, um, you know, and, and, you know, that comes for anybody, um, it, you know, there's that famous uh, saying of, you know, walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. Um, you know, if, if you were underrepresented and you may be, um, you know, in your community, whether that be your neighborhood or your, um, your work environment, um, it doesn't feel good to feel underrepresented. Um, so if you kind of put that empathy side to it, um, you know, think about how your other team members feel. Um, I think that would be important, you know, to turn this to a marketing perspective, think about your customers. Um, you know, your customers may not exactly, you know, always look like you or be in the same communities that you are in. Um, and, you know, it's very important to make sure that people feel welcome, um, whether that be internally or externally and the, the best marketing tool I felt is a referral. Um, so if people feel comfortable within your company or, you know, they've seen you advertised and, you know, display marketing that shows uh, different groups that are underrepresented, you know, they're going to gravitate towards you. So, you know, the returns will, will be infinite at that point. Thank you. Thank you again. Ruth, I'm so happy you joined today. Um, I think it's been great speaking with you. Um, 
you know, and I, I'm excited to see what you've got planned next. You've already done so much in your career. I, can you tell I have a little bit of envy? I'm, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm older than you. Um, but it seems like you have just got like a hand in everything and are, you know, achieving great success. So, um, you know, what's, what's next for you? Um, you know, that's a good question. I love learning. Um, and you know, that also comes with unlearning as I've learned as I've kind of grown through my career. So I am, I'm just excited to learn and, you know, um, in, increase my introspectivity, uh, and just grow. I, learning really fills my cup. So I, I'm excited for the journey and to learn more things along the way. Awesome. Well, I think with that, um, you know, we should conclude the podcast, but I think that's a great ending note, uh, a good sort of mantra for everyone to sort of embrace. Um, let's let's stay open and stay agile. Keep learning. Fill that cup with knowledge, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And thank you again for having me today. Thank you so much. A Huda Media Production.